Euzubillahimineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecma'in. Allahümme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'na bima allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'ah. Esselamu aleykum ve rahmetullahi ve berekatuhu. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. In this episode, inshallah, we will continue reading from the second station of the 14th flash. The 14th flash is about the secrets of Besmele. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of God, the merciful, the mercy giver, or the merciful, the compassionate, as it is sometimes translated. We already read the first four secrets. And inshallah, in this episode, we will read the, we will begin reading the fifth secret. <coughs> Bismillah. Beşinci sır, fifth mystery. Bir hadis-i şerifte varid olmuş ki, اِنَّ اللّٰهَ خَلَقَ الْاِنْسَانَ عَلَى سُورَةِ الرَّحْمَانِ اَوْ كَمَا قَالِ It has been narrated in an honorable tradition of the Prophet wasallam that God created man, humans, in the form of a Rahman, the Merciful one, the most merciful. <coughs> Bu hadisi bir kısım ehli tarikat akaidi imaniyeye münasip düşmeyen acip bir tarzda tefsir etmişler. This prophetic tradition has been interpreted by some of the followers of Sufism in a strange way that is not consistent with the tenets of belief. Hatta onlardan bir kısım ehli aşk insanın simayi manevisine bir suret Rahman nazarıyla bakmışlar. Moreover, some of them who were ecstatics. So this is how it is translated. Ehli aşk. Aşk is intense love. And in a state of intense love, one's faculties of discernment may become blunt. One may not see well. One may not hear well. One may not process the information that's coming from outside well. One may not think well. It is almost like a state of drunkenness. So when Ustad Nursi is referring to Ahli Ashk here, he is referring to those who have become drunk, who have entered in a state of ecstasy and become drunk out of the intensity of their love for God. So this is not a bad thing in and of itself, but it may have, let's not say bad, but inappropriate consequences that might be permissible for the person who is in a state of intense love and therefore is like drunk out of the ecstasy of that love but for others who are observing from outside with their intellect and reasoning fully in place to approve of what they say or do or to pretend to be in a state of love and to do what those do or to imitate them without that state of ecstasy itself then that is not permissible because the tenets of belief, iman, the the pillars of religion and all the rulings that come from the Quran and the Prophet wasallam, these are the foundation. And without the foundation, we cannot presume to be following a path that will lead us to God. That's the foundation. That's the path that's set by God. For those who are in a state of ecstasy and drunkenness to um, 
steer away from the path a little bit until they recover their senses and come back to it, that might be permissible. But for those who are not in a state of ecstasy and therefore drunk and therefore have their intellect and reason in place, that is not permissible. So, so what the Stadnos is saying here is some of them who were ecstatics, some of the Ahl al-Ashq, some of the people of intense love in their state of ecstasy have even considered man's spiritual nature or man's spiritual countenance, the meanings that appear on the countenance of the humanity or each individual and humanity together. But we are referring to the meanings that appear on their metaphysical countenance, spiritual nature, to be in the form of the all-merciful, the Rahman, Ar-Rahman. Ehl tariqatun ekserinde sekir, ehli aşkın çoğunda istiğrak ve iltibas olduğundan hakikate muhalif telakkilerinde belki mazurdurlar. So this is what Ustad Nursi is saying. In, uh, I gave the explanation in advance, uh, but he is saying it more concisely. Since the people of intense love are drowned in their you know, state of love, and as a result of which can confuse things, and since the followers of Tariqa, followers of the Sufi path, uh, many of them, or in, even most of them, can found themselves in the state of ecstatic drunkenness, they are perhaps to be excused in holding views contrary to reality. We should uh, make a note that Ustad Nursi is saying what he says here out of Tanzih. Tanzih, i.e., he is first putting these people on the side and clarifying that this is not a an accusation against them. He is clearing them. Right? He is exonerating them in advance and, and explaining that what comes next is not an accusation targeted against them. They are excused. Now we will talk about acts and actions and thoughts and so on and so forth that may not be excused if done or held in belief not in a state of ecstasy. Fakat aklı başında olanlar fikren onların esası akaide münafi olan manalarını kabul edemez. But those whose intellect is in place, whose intellect has not been blocked by the intensity of their love, cannot accept the meanings, the considerations of those people of intense love that are contrary to the foundations of belief. It's a hatayder. If they do, they are in error. <coughs> evet, bütün kainatı bir saray, bir ev gibi muntazam idare eden ve yıldızları zerreler gibi hikmetli ve kolay çeviren ve gezdiren ve zerratı muntazam memurlar gibi istihdam eden zat-ı akdes ilahinin şeriki, naziri, zıttı, nitti olmadığı gibi leyse kemislihi şey'un ve huve semî'ul basîr sırrıyla sureti misli misali şebihi 
dahi olamaz. Now here, Ustad Nursi is going to give us in one sentence the summary of some of the foundations of Aqaid, the uh, the science of the foundational beliefs of Islam. In one sentence, uh, it is a long sentence, but it still is one sentence. But we should be, we should, we need to read it very carefully, trying to understand, inshallah. Yes, um, I will first read the translation, and then we will work on it. Yes, the most pure and holy deity who administers with order the whole universe as though it was a palace or house, and spins the stars as though they were particles, and causes them to travel through space with wisdom and ease, and employs minute particles as though they were orderly officials, has no partner, match, opposite, or equal. So also according to the meaning of the verse, Laysa Alim There is nothing whatever like unto him. He hears and and sees all things, or he is the all hearer, all uh, seer. This is from the Quran, the chapter forty two, verse eleven. According to this verse, he has no form, likeness, or peer. There is nothing resembler resembling or similar to him. Let's try to go over this. Uh, one more time. Yes, the Zat Akdesi Ilahi, the most holy essence of our, our God, of God, the most holy essence of God, i.e., God. But He's not just saying God, He's qualifying it, He's telling us how we should understand God, especially in this context. What attributes of God? He is referring. He is referring to his most holiness, right? His being above and beyond our imagination, and above and beyond his creation. His elevation over everything, not in a physical sense, right? But in in in, in terms of station and honor, and also in terms of similarity. He is above and beyond. So most holy essence of God and how do we know that how how can we bring this closer to our understanding how can we understand his holiness and aboveness and power and might and tremendous and so on and so forth but all of those here how can we understand that the signs in the creation we learn about God from the signs in the creation where do we turn in the creation Ustadnus is saying he is the most holy essence of God, God who administers, organizes the whole universe with order, with perfect order, orderliness, as though it was a palace or house, as though he is running the affairs of a house. And one who runs the affairs of a house would know that even that is not easy. There is no human being, I would say, out there who runs a house with the, with the kind of perfect order that God runs, that God organizes and administers the universe. So from there we have a point of comparison, measure, that helps us understand what might be going on. Let's use the word mirror. From there we have a mirror that reflects some of the meanings that we need to understand in this context. We human beings try to run our houses. We cannot do it in perfect order. God, 
who is above and beyond, who is tremendous, is organizing, administering, running the entire universe, entire cosmos, entire creation in perfect order. That should make that, that should make our jaws fall and, and put us in a state of oh. So the one who organizes the entire universe like a palace or house, the one who spins the stars as if they are small tiny particles, particles, the stars, those huge, tremendously big, massive things, he's spinning them as if they are little pieces of dust floating in the air with such ease, and who employs particles as if they are orderly officers or officials as if they were instructed in advance and they know what to do, where to do, when to do and they are ready to receive orders and they are perfectly able to fulfill the, the orders that are given to them. So we are talking about a God who is in charge from the massive stars to the tiniest particles, particles and there is no uh, misconduct, perfect order. This is this gives us a sign as to his holiness, as to his aboveness, as to his greatness, as to his tremendousness. So that God has no partner. There can be no partner to the one who is in charge of everything. The word for partner that is used here is shirik. And some of these words might be worth learning. So he has no shirik no partner. He has no nazir, match. Something similar to that. Something is a match for him. He has no zid, opposite. And he has no nid, equal. Shariki naziri zid nidde. Right? Partner, match, opposite or equal. He has none of those. He doesn't have an opposite either because he cannot be compared to anything. Opposites emerge from comparisons. We compare two colors with one uh, with each other and we say black is the opposite of white. But we also acknowledge in that comparison that they are both colors. So God is not, cannot be placed in the same category as something else. Therefore, he does not have an opposite. He does not have a match. He does not have an equal. And in accordance with the teaching of the verse, there is nothing that is like him. Right? That is, there is nothing that is like him. He sees all, he, he hears all, and he sees all. He has no form. Because everything we see around, we see that they have forms. Human beings have the form of, let's say, two legs, two arms, a body, a torso, in mouth, face, and so on and so forth. Animals, some animals have four legs. Some animals have wings. Trees have a certain shape. They have a trunk and then branches and then leaves. So all of these have forms. And this is a an aspect of materiality. But God has no form. Because there's nothing out there that is like him. And everything out there that we see and observe and know of have form. So he's not like any of that. Therefore, he has no form. Misli, he has no like. There is nothing that is like him, that is similar to him. Misali, or uh, similitude, or shebihi, something that is likeness. There is no such thing out there. 
We learn about God from His signs, and that is something that we have to do. But at the same time, we preserve His sanctity. We preserve His sanctity, and this is a foundational judgment. This is a foundational ruling. We preserve His sanctity in whatever we say, and if what we say infringes upon that sanctity, we understand that there is a there is a contradiction between the tenets of faith, the foundational tenets of our faith, and what we are seeing. Fakat وَلَهُ الْمَثَلُ الْعَلَى فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ سِرِّيلَ مثال ve temsil ile şu unatına ve sıfat ve esmasına bakılır. So, God has no form, no likeness, no partner, no opposite, no equal. We sanctify him first. But then Ustad Nursi is moving on to say that in accordance with the secret of the verse that I just read, أَوْضُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَلَهُ الْمَثَلُ الْعَلَى فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ In accordance with the secret of this verse, which can be translated as And His is the highest similitude in the heavens and the earth, and He is exalted in might, full of wisdom. And His is the highest similitude. Or, or we can also uh, understand this. And His are the highest, best of examples. He is the one who gives us the best of examples. And He does give us best of examples. He gives us examples in the Quran to help us understand Him, to help us attain a knowledge of Him. So this is a legitimate method as we talked about in one of the earlier episodes. This is a method that is employed in the Quran and therefore we have the permission to employ it in order to learn about God. Examples. We move on from metaphors or examples or comparisons. So with the secret of this verse we can look at so not we know the reality of but we can look at his names attributes and shu'unat. We can use examples and comparisons to look at his names, attributes and shu'unat. Now the word shu'unat is a difficult word to translate. It has a terminological meaning in Ustad Nursi's usage. We can translate it maybe as acts and or actions which is what Shukran Wahida has Used, but that does not convey the full meaning. These are stages of knowing God. We start from the altar. We start from the, uh, the the the creation, and we look at the acts that has brought that those creation into existence. This is called as art, and then we can look, we look at the names that are behind those acts. The act, the the um, Arabic word here for act is fiat which means verb, right? And then from uh, we can make fa'il, we can make names out of verbs, like to do and then doer, to make and then maker, to see and then seer, right? And then there are attributes that qualify these names, sifat, right? So 
These are usually the, the uh, best known stages in, let's say, the science of knowing God, as as uh, you know, our scholars, our Gnostics have contemplated the creation in order to reach a knowledge of God. Right, and then in some Sufi circles, especially in the in the usage of uh, Imam Rabbani, uh, Ahmed Sirhindi of the 10th century of the Hijra, another stage has been added to this, which is Shu'un. Now acts. Again, it's not the same word though in Arabic. One the the the, the word in Arabic was Fi'al, and here it is. Shu'un, which is the plural plural of a word that is used in the Quran, Sha'n. Uh, in the Quran, God tells us that He is onto something, onto an act at all times, every day, right? Or at all times, right? So this is the plural of that. But then Ustad Nursi makes it even a double plural. He makes the plural word Shu'un, Shu'un not. He makes another plural. So there is a uh, Subtle terminological meaning that is in Ustad Nursi's usage. It might be early to delve into the details of that at this point. Uh, let's just understand that it is a stage, it is a concept, notion that we use. It is an instrument, let's, let's put it this way. It is an instrument, it's a cognitive instrument that we can use in our contemplation to know God that is, that is even more advanced than the more usually employed concepts, notions of acts, names, and attributes. Af'al, asma, and, and sifa. So, we can use examples and comparisons and metaphors, parables, in order to look at his names and attributes and shu'unat. With the permission that we, we, we uh, obtained from the Qur'an, which is, you know, perhaps most clearly articulated in this verse, but it is also uh, visible uh, throughout the Quran in the way that the Quran teaches us. Demek mesel ve temsil şuunat noktayı nazarında vardır. That is to say, mesel ve temsil. Using examples and representations, comparisons, metaphors, is permissible from the point of view of his actions or in regard to his actions, his şuunat. And şuunat is the you know, first, furthest stage after asma and sifat and acts and so on and so forth. Therefore, if it is permissible in regard to shu'unat, then it is permissible to the others too. However, we sanctified his essence, lot. We sanctified God's lot. We cannot look at his lot. We cannot look at his essence. But we can look at his acts, attributes, names. And Ustad Nursi is adding another stage here or using another stage that was added by uh, Gnostics, saints, friends of God that lived before him and, and expanding on it uh, from with regard to uh, his shu'unat, God's shu'unat. Let's repeat this. Examples, metaphors, comparisons, representations rather, rep let's not say comparison, but representations are permissible with regard to God's acts attributes, names, and shu'unat, but not 
with regard to his essence. We sanctify his essence. Şu mezkur hadisi şerifin çok makasından birisi şudur ki. Now, Ustad Nursi provided a methodological methodological foundation, a methodological introduction. He said that these are the principles that we need to employ in understanding the above-mentioned hadith. God created man or humans in the form of in in the, in the form of a rahman, the merciful. So, once he provided these principles, these foundations, he is now moving on to tell us how we should understand the hadith, how we should understand the prophetic tradition. In that case, one of the many purposes, one of the many meanings that are contained in the meaning of the above mentioned prophetic tradition is as follows. İnsan ismi Rahman'ı tamamıyla gösterir bir surettedir. Okay, what is it? Men, human beings, are in a form that shows, that points to the name of Ar-Rahman, the most merciful, in its entirety. Now, remember, we said the entire creation cosmos are full of signs. Everything manifests God's names and attributes, and each thing in, in, in the creation manifests God's names and attributes. Right? So does so do human beings, but everything manifests God's names in in certain combination combinations, certain proportions. On some things, let's say the name Al Jabbar is more dominant. In some things, let's say the Al Jamil is more uh, dominant. When we look at a you know beautiful butterfly floating in the air in the spring in a beautiful sunny day. What that brings to our hearts is not the name Al-Qahar. If we think carefully and deeply, we can reach the name Al-Qahar from there too. But the, the thing that comes first is Al-Jamil, Al-Latif, Al-Rahman. So what Ustad Nursi is saying here is man's form, the countenance of man, the character of man, the nature of man, the nature of human beings, Surat is the word that's used and literally literal translation would be form but you know the, the what is meant here is the the nature of human beings show point to indicate manifest the divine name of the most merciful or all merciful ar-rahman in its entirety completely evet sabıkan beyan ettiğimiz gibi Kainatın simasında bin bir ismin şualarından tezahür eden ismi Rahman görüntüğü gibi zemin yüzünün simasında rububiyeti mutlakayı ilahinin hadsiz cilveleriyle tezahür eden ismi Rahman gösterildiği gibi insanın sureti camiasında küçük bir mıkyasta zeminin siması ve kainatın siması gibi yine o ismi Rahman'ın cilveyi etemmini gösterir demektir. Yes, as we have been explained before. So there's a reference to an earlier discussion here and the reference is to the first secret of the, the second station of the 14th flash that we read before. As we had explained before, just as the divine name of all merciful Ar-Rahman is manifest through the race of a thousand and one names. And look at this expression. The name Rahman is manifest through the rays of 
a thousand and one names. That is, it is one name, but it becomes manifest from the interaction of all names or 1001 names. It is a name, but it's almost like an embroidery, the centerpiece of an embroidery that emerges from the coming together of thousands of threads from multiple directions and being combined there. So, just as the divine name of all merciful is manifest through the rays of a thousand and one names on the face of the universe, on the face of the cosmos, and it is apparent through the innumerable manifestations of God's absolute lordship on the face of the earth. So those who, had, who have read or listened to the first secret will remember this. God's name, Ar-Rahman, is manifest on the cosmos. And then we go in concentric circles on the face of the earth. And then he said on the face of humans, on in the nature of humans. So there is a... The, that human part is being opened up in this secret. So as it is manifest on the face of the cosmos and on the face of the earth, so also is the complete manifestation of the name all merciful apparent in a small measure in man's comprehensive form, like on the face of the earth and the face of the universe. Now if you remember our discussion of Wahidiyah, for instance, what we said there is Wahidiyah refers to that everything is a manifestation of God's oneness. God manifests himself and therefore his names and attributes on everything all together. And to see this, to comprehend this, to behold this, one needs to have an eye and a heart that is as big as the earth or maybe the cosmos. To, to keep them all together at once in one's mind or in one's heart is difficult. We say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise is to the Lord of the realms. And we need to try to imagine what we are saying. We are mentioning the name of the, the one who is the owner of everything. And to understand this, we need to know what everything is. Because, let's say, for an ignorant peasant who has never left his village, the world may be big, but what he imagines big, based on what he has seen around him throughout his entire life, and imagine this like pre-modern education. There were people who never left their villages or the vicinity of their villages in their, in their entire lives. So this peasant will have a notion of the world. That is, let's say, uh, limited to 100, 200 square, square miles of the space that he has been to throughout his life. But compare that to the vision and, and conception of an astronomer who sees the Earth from a spaceship and then you know, flies over it. Compare the notion, the conception of the astronomer about the, about the size of the world. It's almost incomparable, right? There's a big difference between the one who can behold the entire world and who can behold only a small portion of the world. Us as human beings are able to behold a portion of the cosmos, a very limited portion of the existence. And therefore, in our limitedness, in our containment uh, to what our senses can notice, recognize, 
we have difficulty being able to comprehend what Rabbul Alameen means. For one to understand what Rabbul Alameen means, one needs to be able to move above that the way the Prophet ﷺ moved above that during his ascension, Mi'raj, and so everything from above. And he had a good sense of rank and meaning. But it is difficult for us in our limitedness and in our containment in the in the in what we can observe through our senses. We can have a sense of it, we can try to imagine it, but whatever we imagine that's going to be very limited. And this is a a difficulty, a problem. And in order to compensate for this problem that we have as human beings that, that results from the limitedness of our abilities, God out of his mercy offers us another way to know him. Now the first one is important and it is where we observe his majesty, majestic attributes, Jalali attributes, the most and the best and the more we can observe that the more we can think of that the more we can immerse ourselves in the meanings that emanate from that greatness the better but God is offering us other ways of knowing him and this relates to the notion of ahadiyat that we discussed God manifests himself on each thing with all his names some of the names are more dominant there some of them are less dominant but they are all there and therefore wherever we turn we see him and not only that he has also placed his the, the, the seal of his mercy on this manifestation he manifests himself everywhere and he also manifests himself in such a beautiful way, uh, way uh, on each thing that our attention is is automatically turned there we have a desire to focus on these beauties and they are beautiful and because they are beautiful it is easier we are already attracted to it there is an ease in this alhamdulillah praise be to lord the one who has provided us with so many means and so many different means of knowing him and Ustad Nursi is referring here to the nature of man as one of those each things that God manifests himself. But the special aspect of the nature of human is that God manifests all of his names in the most beautiful and in the most powerful way that is possible on the nature of human. The Rabbul Alameen, the Lord of the realms with all his attributes and names is manifest on the nature of the human being and that's why they say uh, the the cosmos is an enlarged human being and a human being is a if you will shrunk uh, cosmos each human being carries the cosmos in himself and therefore there are signs to knowing our lord from inside and there are emphasis is the word we use for this internal and there are ways to knowing our lord there are signs to knowing our lord from outside Afaqi is the word that we are going to use for this from external sources 
And Ustad Nursi is saying that one of the meanings of this prophetic tradition in that case should be that Ar-Rahman, the most merciful, has manifested himself in the most expansive way on the nature of human beings. Hem işarettir ki Zat-ı Rahman-ı Rahim'in delilleri ve ayineleri olan zihayat ve insan gibi mazharlar o kadar o zatı vacibül vücuda delaletleri kat'i ve vazıh ve zahirdir ki güneşin timsalini ve aksini tutan parlak bir ayine parlaklığına ve delaletinin vuzuhuna işareten o ayine güneştir denildiği vakit insanda sureti rahman var vuzuhu delaletine ve kemali münasebetine işareten denilmiş ve denilir. And then there is another indication in this prophetic tradition that the prophetic tradition that we are talking about points to another meaning the animate creatures and human beings are evidences to and mirrors of the essence of the necessarily existent one that is God right God is the necessarily existent one Stadnus is saying that animate beings and humans are a locus for the manifestation of the necessarily existent one essence of the necessarily existent one and therefore there are such a uh, receptive locus for this manifestation that the evidence that they provide to the necessarily existent one is very clear and very certain and very visible it is as if you hold a a, a shiny mirror, a very clean, very um, perfect mirror. You hold a perfect mirror to the sun and the mirror reflects the sun with all of its light, with all of its colors and so on and so forth. If you hold a you know, dirty mirror, it's going to reflect part of it and other parts are going to be blocked. Other aspects of the light are going to be blocked with the dirt on the mirror. So imagine a very shiny, very bright, perfect mirror and, you, and imagine that you are holding it to the sun and it is going to reflect the sun as not as the sun is because the reality of the sun is something very different but in the best possible way that a mirror can reflect the sun and when this happens in as an indication of the clarity of this uh, mirror's ability to point to to show to prove the the existence of the sun and its attributes one can say that this mirror is the sun in the same way that Nursi is explaining us this prophetic tradition by saying that the the the merciful one has created humans in his uh, form in his appearance pointing to the fact that there is a an appearance and manifestation a surah an appearance of the merciful one in human beings and as a result human beings are providing a very clear evidence indication of the the most merciful one they are providing they are showing the most merciful one in the best possible way and they maintain the most perfect relationship with the with the merciful merciful one 
ve ehli vahdetül vücudun mutedil kısmı la mevcude illahu bu sırra binaen bu dalaletin vuzuhuna bu delaletin vuzuhuna ve bu münasebetin kemaline bir ünvan olarak demişler. And those of the people of the unity of existence vahdetül vücud right, this is a uh, we can think of it as a school in, in Sufi thought Oftentimes it is uh, related to Muhyiddin al-Arabi. It did exist before Muhyiddin al-Arabi and then it continued to exist after him. There were many people who misunderstood what he was saying and took this view out of its uh, logical and, and, and accurate path. But regardless, Stad is doing Tanzi here again. He is also he's exonerating some uh, followers of the idea of uh, unity of existence. He is saying, among the the moderate ones of the people of Wahdati Wujud, unity of existence, when they say La Mawjuda Illahu, there is nothing that is in existence other than He, other than God. When they say this, right, they say this based on because of their understanding of this secret. And they are making it as a sign for the clarity of the nature human nature's proof for the most merciful one and the and the powerfulness the intensity of uh, the, the per perfection and intensity of this relationship that they have with the most merciful one they understand the intensity of this relationship between human beings and the and, and God and the clarity of the evidence that human nature provides to the most merciful one and they say, La mawjuda illahu, in relation to this clarity that they see in the manifestations, the clarity that they see in the mirrors. Those who are moderate among the people of the, the, the idea of the unity of existence, they know that there is a mirror there and the mirror is reflecting the sun. But they that when they say there is nothing in existence other than God, and in this Example that would be there is nothing in existence there other than the, the sun. What they are saying is uh, they know that the mirror exists and this is a reflection, but they are referring to the clarity in a metaphorical sense. They are referring to the clarity of the of the image that is uh, visible on the mirror. Allahumma ya Rahmanu ya Rahimu bihaqqi bismillahi rahmanir rahimi irhamna irhamna kama yaliku bi rahimiyatika wa fahimna asrara bismillahi rahmanir rahimi kama yaliku bi rahmaniyatika amin here Ustad Nursi is uh, ending with a beautiful dua and uh, I will read the translation and we will we may need to um, work on it a, a little bit, but let's read the translation first. O God, O the most merciful one, most compassionate one, through the truth of in the name of God, the merciful, the compassionate, have mercy on us as befits your compassionateness and allow us to understand the mysteries of in the name of God, the merciful, the compassionate, as befits your mercifulness. Amin. O God, Allahumma, Ya Allahu. Allahumma, O oh, the most merciful one, Ya Rahmanu, the, the, the mercy giver, Ya Rahimu, through the reality of in the name of God, Bihaqqi, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, for the sake of, 
the, through the reality of or for the sake of this expression Bismillahirrahmanirrahim in the name of God the merciful the mercy mercy giver allow us to to benefit from your mercy bless us with your mercy have mercy on us in a way that befits your rahimiyah your uh, attribute of mercy giving which is specific if we are going to have an analogy rahman relates to al-wahid as uh, as God's oneness is manifest on everything altogether, and a Rahim is specific as God's mercy, uh, God's oneness, and all of His attributes concentrate on each thing one by one. An analogy for this might be that a Rahman, uh, in an analogy to Wahid, is let's assume it's raining outside. The water drops do not pick where they are falling. It's falling everywhere. The rain falls everywhere. And whoever has a container can go out and hold it up to the heavens and fill the container with rain water. It's raining everywhere. And this is our Rahman. The mercy, God's mercy is everywhere. He is constantly showering us with his mercy. And that that showering is not distinguishing between the believer and non-believer and animate and non-animate and inanimate and you know this and that it's falling constantly falling and we are all benefiting from it even the non-believers in this world right? uh, even those who do not appear to deserve it they are benefiting from it but Rahimiya a Rahim it is like you are thirsty and the one who is merciful knows you are thirsty, recognizes your thirst, fills a cup of water, brings it and gives it to you. So this is another way to think about uh, Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. And here Ustad Nursi is making dua and, and, and saying it's for the sake of or through the truth of Bismillah rahman rahim Immerse us in your Rahimiyah. Give us, give us your special blessings. Look at us, Ya Rab, look at us. In a way that befits your Rahimiyah. And allow us to understand the secrets of Bismillahirrahmanirrahim in a way that befits your Rahmaniyah. So the, the first one was very special. And the second one is at an intellectual level. And the intellect is broad. It, it does not become subjective. And when I say subjective here, I don't mean I don't mean the opposite of objective. I don't mean opposite of neutral. But I mean that it is valid throughout. It, its validity does not change according to circumstances. Under the same circumstances, the intellect will produce the same results unless our subjectivity involved is involved in it and we, are, we, we move away from sound intellect, sound reason. Understanding, fahm, understanding relates to the intellect. And then at the next stage, it's going to have something in the heart and that's, that's different, right? But when he makes this to us, he's saying, as it befits your Rahmaniya, as it befits your, uh, your, your mercy as it is manifest on everything altogether without distinguishing. Alhamdulillah, we finished the fifth secret too and inshallah in the next episode we will move on to the sixth 
secret and that is the last secret we are going to read in the second station of the 14th flush then we will move on to the second word inshallah if you are benefiting from these uh, recordings uh, please share it with others so that they can also benefit subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma 'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim wa akhir da'wahum anil hamdulillahi rabbil alamin al fatiha